Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Girls Pod Channel. I am Stacey June, and I am Chrissy Mercer. Hello, and welcome to your week. We're ba- oh, it feels like a bit of an honour, really, to welcome you into Monday, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, provided that you're listening on a Monday, because that's the whole deal with this channel. You can listen to the episodes whenever the fuck you want. That's right. So it's up to you how you want to schedule your stuff, but we do drop this on a Monday. Uh, and it is the catch-up where we have a bit of a chat about what's going on in our lives. We also drop into our guest lives and our posse's lives, which generally happen on about a Tuesday or Wednesday. Michelle Chevalier hedge uh, a nutritionist and a, an author of of a brand new book called The Healthy Hormone Diet uh, is dropping by uh, tomorrow. We'll release that chat and it is going to be epic for those of you that might not have wanted to see a dietitian yourself, might not be able to afford it, might want to be, I don't know, just dive into a little bit about how I changed my period pain and endometriosis with food. Like mm. there's so many things that you can you can learn from this show, this this chat we had with her. I think there's a lot of people around me in my life anyway that are like, yeah, I'm relatively healthy, like I don't diet, but then am I eating the, the shit that's making me feel good from a, like a mental health perspective too? Yeah. Which I don't know. I think a lot of people, myself included, are only starting to realise, oh, actually what you put into your body affects not just your weight and the way you look but also what's going on internally too. I think she also breaks down marketing the healthy like and the marketing that's put behind the healthy and when you def- when you say you eat healthy, you know, define what that mm. is and, and just gives you some tools to be able to read labels, which I think everybody gets very confusing. But that will drop on tomorrow's, uh, on the pod channel tomorrow. Got a lot of ra- We've got a lot of... A big breadth of chats, don't we? Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Like, there's just lots of different stuff kicking around. Over the past few weeks, some of that is Georgia Love. We've had Melissa Ambrosini, Tanya Hennessy's joined the show, Sophie Keisha, also known as the Young Mummy, um, and Julia Stavania, who is the CEO of Style Runner. So, an absolute. Just a ripping, ripping lineup there. I love that it's a mix, though. You know, like we're not talking to everybody about food. We're not talking to everybody about how to manage your business. So there's bits and pieces for everybody. So if you've missed any of those apps and you think they might took your fancy, go back. And if you're not subscribed, I don't know, just press subscribe on iTunes now and it'll mean that you get all of the apps and you can pick and choose what you listen to. It's just called being organised, people. On today's episode... <laughs> uh, Says the lady with the coloured-coded post-it sitting behind me. Yeah, just get your shit in order. Do you know on the on the actual podcast app, you can put in add to next, add to next, add to next with the episodes you like. So then when you're playing in the car, it only just rolls through that kind of catalogue that you've decided. This is... Zero surprise to me that you know this. Don't you know that? Absolutely not. Do you think I would know that? Well, I would hope so. You are a podcaster. Yeah, but in terms of my own podcast, the things that I listen to, I'm not knowing how to folderize them. I'm just listening. You, you know what I mean? It, well, you, it's like it's not a folder. It's like a it's a current playlist. 
So essentially, you can go to an. It's like the three dots, and when it where it's where you would go to share the episode, you go to the three dots. It, this is if you're using the iPhone podcast app. The I don't know what it one. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah if yeah. it's different uh, for different things, but it just this is probably about the same place you'd go to share it. There's a feature that you can do add to next. And that adds it to a list of all the podcasts you want to get through. So when I'm driving, I don't have to touch my phone. If one finishes, then the, the next one up on the list will just come up. So go and, I don't know, just curate your own listening. Have the control. I love it. It's like when I look at your calendar, I feel so happy. Mm, it's very, very color-coded, very organized. Yes, I like it. I like it. It helps my anxiety. Today, I want to talk about receiving and how sometimes receiving can be harder than giving. Mm, okay. And in my case, I I would have listened to that statement a few years ago and not quite understood the the depth that it can go. And, and I have a, an example to share of something that happened in my life this year, which some of you might have heard bits and bobs about that I've brought up in different episodes. But I want to hone in on today the actual event that happened where I really looked at myself in the mirror and said, you are resisting taking, mm, okay. taking something good. Um, I want to talk about today on the show how to be there and support someone you love as they're losing someone. Because I think... Um, I don't know, it's a it's a hard role to play, especially when you have a sense of knowing that you're the person, that your friend or your partner or, you know, someone's really kind of leaning on through a time of them losing somebody, mm-hmm. whether it be a family member or a pet or, I don't know, someone's sick. Mm-hmm. And I'm going through that with a mate at the moment. And just, um, yeah, I don't know, some of the conversations that we've had around that I've found um, – really interesting just around death itself and how we all just freak the fuck out. Yeah, let's do we can start with that if you like. So, my mate Mia, she is um watching her grandma die. Like her grandma is um in palliative care and it's really interesting how we all get really fearful around the realities of life. And you know, as many people say, but my dad always says, it's like he thinks he invented the saying, but he's like, it's only two short things in life, death and taxes. <laughs> and it's true though. It's like there's, there's so, like if you're involving, there's other things with taxes. That's so bizarre. But they're, but that, they're the two things that you can't escape. But I understand the premise where it's like everything else in life is a bit unknown. None of it is a 100% done deal, sure thing, apart from the fact that you are going to cop taxes and you are going to die at some point. Yeah. Yet it's this whole, and we've spoken about this on the radio show on other bits and pieces before, about this whole idea around like, I don't know, around the fact that death is a scary thing, mm. you know, and I remember lying awake as a kid almost. That was probably the one and only times that I'm not really an anxious person that I reckon that I've been closest to having a panic attack, like almost hyperventilating as an eight-year-old going, what happens when I die? Like, is it black? Do I get to see people? Like this sense of unknown can feel overwhelming and something that we're all like, don't talk about it. I don't want to know. I don't want to think about the fact that that is a reality, that I'm mm. not going to be around. And it's interesting, I suppose, that I'm this go-to kind of check-in with her. And it's it's hard because sometimes she'll want to share something good or we'll have a, a light convo and then it's in the back of my mind to be like, I want to ask her about her granny. But then you're also like, mm, it's uncomfortable because her grandma's going to die soon. Mm. 
And you're also like, you've had a good day. I don't want to bring the vibe down, but I've really made it, um, you know, part of my mission every time I talk to her, which is every couple of days on the phone, just to, to check in and ask her about it because it is a, it's a reality of what's going on in her world right now. And if she doesn't want to talk about it, she'll say to me, it's a bit much, I've just had a good day. I don't want to think about that right now. But I've tried to be, um, I don't know, someone that's just there checking in because it'll be it's something that is would be consuming knowing that someone that you love is going to leave soon and you know that and i think the way that she describes the way her family's coping with it now is very similar to the way my family coped when my nan died very similarly in that she was in palliative care it was a known thing she went so slowly that everybody has this way of hanging on hope you know the smallest things you know you you know they're kind of coming in and out of consciousness, right? So any little positive is a fucking big win. So you'll walk in and, you know, my nanny used to do this too and, and my mate may all say, oh, Gran kind of noticed, you know, she woke up today and she recognised somebody's face or she said, I love you, mm-hmm. you know, and this is the way her family's relaying it because she's living in just away from her granny. And you almost hear the hope in her voice from that's been passed on from her family members. Mm. And it's almost this, um, you kind of have to tweak the story in your head in a way to be like, there's still hope. And as a friend, you want to be positive. You know, you're always looking for the silver lining a bit where you go, oh, well, at least, you know, it's hard, but at least Gran's there and she, you know, that's a, it's a win today that she's woken up and she said, I love you. But last night on the phone to her, I just felt a bit overwhelmed to say the actual truth because when I was going through losing my nan, you were kind of that person for me in a way where you were kind of this voice of um, reality. And I said Mm. to her, right now you're watching someone that you really love die really slowly and she's going to go soon and that's a really hard thing to deal with. And you could just hear in her voice it was kind of almost like she sighed a bit of relief in that to actually say out loud what's happening and the fact that you're losing someone and the fact that it's shit and it's hard I don't know it almost feels like a weight off your shoulders that you're not constantly digging looking for this positive that well that's because as soon as you said to me it was such a win. Like you guys would go in to see your nan and same thing with me as family. And I actually, funnily enough, have a very good mate of mine going through something very, very close, someone very, very close to him as well that's just about to hit palliative care. And he's a little bit more on my wavelength compared to his family in that we're just a little bit more accepting of death than a lot of people are. Mm. And when you said the words it was a win, it was so funny because in my gut, I just saw it so differently. Like Mm. I see those things, the example of her coming up and recognizing someone just so not a win. It's weird. You know, this kind of place I find myself in understanding what death is, is very different to a lot of people. I don't see you dying as the final bit. So I think there's just this also you leaving the world and you leaving people that love you behind and leaving this life. But I think there's this, um, this well, it is my belief system that it's not, it doesn't end mm. and that you're sp- I speak to spirits on the reg. So I think as well, it's certainly far from over. So 
to see it, see them go through pain and have this dragged out and see that as a win simply to, I guess, make the people here feel better is certainly not the way I see it. And I find it really hard, you know, how to ever really support people like that because of the way that I see it. it because in the end, people feel pain and, and you don't want to be like, it's not up to you, you're selfish, you shouldn't feel pain. It's the majority of the world see death like that. And I'm lucky that this particular friend of mine is very much in a similar headspace to me. And it's just so interesting that we make this time about us. It's like the last chance you make your 21st about someone, you make your wedding about someone, you make your 40th about someone, you make your... 50th birthday about someone you make you know oh you got a new job you graduated from uni you get to celebrate all those things I'm not saying you want to party in this instance but I do find it interesting that we in death we don't make it about them oh yeah it's interesting it's all and that's what we were having this conversation about it's all people's own fear coming out like you said if you're somebody that's comfortable with death or you know your whatever your belief system may be like it, it brings out interesting things and people around people around death or losing people, I think it's not just the fact that they're losing someone. It's that they're reminded that life isn't forever and that, you know, you're reminded yourself that. Well, according to that belief. Well, according, system. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this body, in this lifetime, mm. that it's, that we will die at some point. And that's, but that's confronting to a lot of people. And I think the vast majority of people in the Western world anyway, it's something that you'd rather push out of your mind and not think about. And people, because of that, I think end up behaving in really strange, really erratic, out-of-character kind of ways. I Mm. saw that as my nan passed. Some people go either end of the spectrum where they want to spend all of their time, and this was me anyway, spending time you know with that person and seeing them and kind of being there and and there are other people that just cannot cope Mm. you know where you hear that often and there was certain family members as my nan was you know leaving this body anyway saying I don't want to see her like that Mm. I don't want to remember her like that Mm. and part of me was like well that's fucking selfish but then at the same time I don't know you also have to have compassion for the fact that I find it more selfish for people to hang on to them living when they're clearly dying than for people to call it. Like I, you know, to be like they're dying, maybe they come and say their final goodbyes and then I I don't need to see them like that. In some ways, as long as they're not alone, they've got close family members, there's someone there with them and that that's not an effect to the person dying that they're aware or not aware. But I think that that statement is still an element of release as opposed to a lot of people that will try and hang on. Mm. And, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that this stuff drags out. I don't think it's a coincidence that doctors say you've got a week to live and a year later you know, like Beryl is still What do you mean there's an element of Beryl wanting to start? Because of the people around them. Mm. So the doctor has said Beryl has a, a week to live. She's Her body is shutting down. But then, you know, Beryl's daughter is not coping and is, you know, there every day Oh, I totally or, believe and that. And then Beryl's hanging around and that's not fun for Beryl. I totally it's believe that. It's full on. Like, you know, it just gets to a point. So I see it being more selfish of Beryl's daughter than, you know, maybe Beryl's niece that's like, I can't see her like that. I have to let this go and say goodbye. From my perspective and my opinion, 
it is a very, it's an interesting thing because I think on one form, there's been a release, there's been an acceptance of what's going on. And that resistance, I don't think is in anybody's favor, but particularly the person dying's favor. I said that to my nan, that last time that I saw her, I went in and visited her. And was it you that was talking to me about saying it's all right, you can go? Because she Mm. was just hanging on. Mm. Like it was it was like she's going to die any day now and that was months, mm. like months. And I, the way that it all kind of worked out was pretty um, – It's not always the family too. I think it's up to the no, person no, no, yeah. too. Sometimes people are like, I'm not going. Like I don't And that was her, like she was a bloody stubborn, tough yeah. cookie. She was stubborn as. Mm. But, um, yeah, the last time I saw her, it was just me sitting there and I grabbed her hand and she was in and out of consciousness. So whether she heard me, I don't know. But I, um, yeah, I said to her, "It's all right. You can, you can let go now. You can go now, Nan." I think I only told Mum this recently, but I, at the time, there was almost this element of guilt around saying that out loud, telling someone you love that it's all right to die now. Mm. And that was the last time I saw her. Mm. Like that—that that was actually the last. Yeah, and. Whether that was just coincidental, I don't know. But how long did she die? When did she die after? A couple of days. Probably not. Someone's got to, and even if it's not the family and friends around you, it's also the fight within a person, you know, especially of her generation. It was like, you fight, you don't, you know, this is my timeline, or if she's that kind of character. Sometimes, you know, their soul just needs to be like given that like we all do as humans given that um ability to to like that oh, what's the word i'm looking for not ability that permission uh, yeah permission oh 100%. i just yeah i just kept saying everything's going to be all right so we're all going to be all right and if you she can was go supposed to live she you're would've. right do you know what i mean yeah. like if she was supposed to stay and her journey was that she was staying she wouldn't have died but there is part of me that felt good. And there was a reason that I didn't come out and tell mum that day. Oh, fuck. No, you can't do that. No. No, th- this kind of way of living and all of the things I've just said, you pick your times. Like there's just people that don't think and at all like the way, you know, that. and also people have their own grief, especially mm. as a mother. It's not in probably in your right to tell your mother. Like that's her mother that, you know, it's a different kind of, I think, level. But I do think... But you've got your own relationship. Everybody's allowed to have their own grief. But I do think that, um, yeah, sometimes if you're there to support someone as they're losing somebody or grieving somebody, that real knee-jerk reaction of positivity, it doesn't always have to be searching for, I think, like that pressure to constantly be looking for the silver lining of things. No. Because sometimes... Life's hard, people go through pain, and death is full on. Let's also define the silver lining. The silver lining isn't that she stays or anyone stays alive. But that, yeah, I know what you mean, but that often is the majority. But it's important to think about it differently. That's what I'm saying. Think about what, what is the silver lining. The silver lining is that somebody goes peacefully, feels loved and celebrated and doesn't feel like they need to fight to make other people comfortable. That to me would be the silver lining, mm. not the silver lining that she's going to hang in there to make your tears 
hold off for a few days, a few weeks. Yeah, so I don't think these conversations are always easy to have with people either. No. Because you don't ever want to look insensitive. But at the same time, um, I don't know, sometimes the reality is a bit dark and life's a bit painful and you lose people and that's shit. And sometimes there's nothing you can say to make someone feel better about that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. about how the concept of receiving may actually be harder than giving. Now, I think if we actually take this to uh, childhood and kind of think about how you're taught to share and how you're taught to give, like hand the box over, hand the box over. Like, you know, you're constantly like, or give that to this person or did you share that with that person? That seems like a bummer. Yeah, make sure or, or but you're so, that's so what you're encouraged to do. The good person and the good kid and the good behavior is that you're giving. You give a present, you take, you know, you go to a nine-year-old birthday party, you go to a 15-year-old birthday party, you go to someone's house for dinner, you take something, you give, you give, you give. That's the way that we are taught to behave as a, I don't know, as a nice person or a respectful person, right? But we aren't taught that it is just important to learn how to take Mm. graciously. And uh, because taking, on the other hand, has all these connotations of being selfish or greedy or um, unappreciative or not that that's necessarily the only way that you can take. If it's a birthday present, you say thank you. But think about that. Even when people give you presents and you may not expect it from this particular person from work or this particular friend, you're so uncomfortable. Yeah, you immediately go into, you shouldn't have yeah. or you've gone overboard or how much did this go? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, you didn't need to do that. So it, I came to the realisation after a story I want to share that we are fucking shit at taking as humans, we were not taught how to receive. We were taught that the right thing to do was to give, which is stunning. And as Buddhists, you know, the, all the like Buddhist studies say, when in doubt, you give. When in doubt, you give. And I remember saying to a monk one day after a class that I went to fuck, many, many years ago, I went up and I said, I, I, I'm giving and I'm giving. And I said this scenario of this situation uh, was with a family member. And he said to me, but you haven't, A, you're not receiving anything from that person. 
That's not why you give. Most importantly, though, if you're not able to receive anything from that person for numerous reasons, whether they're not giving or, you know, mm. you're not willing to take, you need to give and receive to yourself. So you could be giving to yourself in terms of, I don't know, um, take yourself to the movies, but are you really receiving? Are you receiving that that's okay? Are you receiving that you can take that present? Are you receiving a compliment? Like there's just so many missing uh, lessons or missing teachings we've had growing up of how to graciously but also openly receive. Mm. And so I was um, really excited to finally kind of land on this place of an engagement ring. So after Ben proposed, it was really quickly. Only a few days later I realised, yep, I want a ring. Because before then you were thinking that you weren't sure about having an engagement ring, I just hadn't had a thought. Like Mm. I I could never, I never imagined any of the rings I'd seen on my finger. I love jewellery. Not a big sparkler gal. Well, I ended up having diamonds Mm. in my band, but... I, yeah, I just would always ask because I was just always this hopeless romantic and always inquisitive to everything. I would always be like, can I try on your engagement ring? Can I try on your engagement ring? Really? I don't know that about you. Always, always ask friends that have just got engaged, like looked at it, considered it, you know, I was like, nah, love it for you. Like just couldn't, couldn't sit on it because I was always intrigued as to why I didn't fall that way, the same way that a lot of people did with their vision of their ring. And I also felt left out. Everybody was always like, "Did you back, had back an in, idea?" And I was like, "I." But just what don't about back in the one. day, like when you were a baby, like early twenties? Did you have an idea as to I, think, I want a princess cut Tiffany's ring? Well, my idea would have been built off somebody else's idea. Mm. Like I, I don't think I had a way to have my own ideas then. So if I would have, I would have had a vision that would have been purely built on what my vision should be. That was my entire relationship in my 20s, was built off a vision of something that I thought was the way you be in a relationship. Mine for about six months was, remember that Matthew McConaughey movie? What was it called? Uh, How to um, Lose a Guy in 10 Days, you know, where she has the yellow diamond. I was like, I think in year 10 or something, I was like, thinking I was so different. I'm like, yeah, for my ring, I want a yellow diamond. Well, that's a bit different. (laughs) Not many people would have that. And it is quite awesome. Ridiculous. But it is true. And they're pretty things too. So you just imagine that you see pretty things in movies that that is what you would want Mm. but then when you really think about it and you really think well that's going to be something I'm going to wear every day and who are you what is your actual style what do you actually wear all the time couldn't quite it just wasn't I don't know there wasn't wasn't anything I could ever see and so I wasn't sure it wasn't like I said thought no it wasn't like I thought yes so then when Ben um, proposed and I had was like yeah I kept looking at my hand or wanted a symbol to say to the world we're engaged and I was like okay I get that now I totally understand why people would do that but then came the process of building it fuck that was so so hard because I had no vision so when you say build like you because you actually built and designed and dreamt up a ring from scratch it wasn't like oh I see this one at Zamel's (laughs) I'd really like to add a couple more diamonds to it that you've actually no. Yeah, right. And it was really full on because I didn't have a vision. Like I'd, I'd tried on all these people's different rings and no idea. But I mm. knew I wanted a symbol of uh, the fact that we were going to get married. 
And so I spoke to a few different designers, spoke to whatever. I landed on a woman by the name of Melanie Kerr. She does bespoke jewelry in Sydney. You can find her on Instagram. And we will put the links up because I will plug the fuck away of her stuff because I remember the first time she brought in this real fancy velvet black box, right? And then she picked it up and had all these rings in there. Some of them, not for me. When I, we started at the end asking for prices, there was one that she made, it just was like magic and I was looking at it and I just was like, oh, this is just stunning and the way she explained it. And this is why I ended up loving her. It was $250 and there were rings in that box that were up to $10,000 and it just gave me an idea that I'd landed in the right place because none of them She wasn't trying to make a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was all about trying to find out who you were and what it was and I was like, Okay, universe, you've you've given me the right person. So she I was just so glad I found her because it meant that the process was really actually mm. about that. So anyway, we get out the front and I his you know, went to open the door and kind of gave me this like exciting Let's look. Let's do this, yeah. And I couldn't move. Merce, I like I know I've mentioned this slightly on other shows. I haven't shows, heard you go into detail about it though. I my legs I was like I was paralyzed. Like I was stuck in the seat. And in my head was going, am I, why do I have a ring? Like you don't even, you didn't even say you wanted rings. Like what if you don't like it? You've done all this build and then spent all this money and why? Like what is it for? Like, why do you want it? You probably don't even, are you just pretending to want it? Do, why, why, what if it's not what you want? And then she's built this whole ring and Ben's, you know, like right there with you trying to build it and you don't even, it was Oh my mad. God, Like That's my brain on. was like... And at the very bottom of it, I think I had issues with believing that I I deserved it. I mm. I should have a piece of jewelry that was um, worth a lot of money and that was really beautiful and pretty. I, mm. I couldn't get my head around it. Mm. It was full on. So like, what then what happened? You're stuck in the car, paralyzed, can't move. And I just kind of tried to communicate that with Ben. But in the moment, it's easy to talk about it now. But in the moment, I was like, no, no, I don't know. I, I, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what if I don't like it? Like, I was like, I don't, wh- why? And I just basically sh- was trying to say, why me? Why do I get this? Mm. And it just was so clear and I, I just, it was like the writing was on the wall that I just didn't know how to receive. That I'd met this incredible man, worked my fucking ass off to attract him, had done every single self-development I could, was single for five years, got out of something pretty shit, which lasted for eight. And finally, I'd I'd got to a point where this guy wanted to marry me on whatever terms I wanted to marry, wasn't even sure if we we're going to get a ring. We finally find all of these beautiful, authentic steps to celebrate for ourselves. And I get there and I can't receive any of it. Well, not to mention it's all new too. Like the act, the act of, as you said, all of those different bits and pieces, the act of actually getting to a place where there's – where there's somebody that wants to be there, that wants to celebrate, that that is saying to you, no, you deserve this. Like that can be, that probably sounds like it's a new thing too. Well, yeah. And I think, and I think what you think from the outside of when you actually attract that and you finally find what you've been looking for, it might not be love. It could be a job. It could be a thousand different things. The reality of actually then receiving it 
is work in itself. And it is for me. It might not be for everybody, but Brene Brown talks about this and I talk about her a lot. She's been an absolute pioneer in the study of vulnerability. She's a a researcher, so she works in data, but it's all all about the soul. And she Mm. says... Until we can receive with an open heart, we're never really giving with an open heart. When we attach judgment to receiving, we knowingly or unknowingly attach judgment to giving. Mm. So not only are you not able to that it's like receive, conditional, yeah. But then what mm. you give is also half-assed because you're not actually again going back to that Buddhist comment. You're not really giving truly to yourself. Mm. Did you know that? Did you know? Is was this a surprise to you? Fuck yes. I was going to say was that because that in itself would be a shock to realize something like that. Because as you say, you're open about I did all this work. I've got this guy. There's this element in anywhere the way I hear you talk about your relationship with Ben that you deserve, deserve to be it. there. You yeah. deserve him. You deserve a dude that's awesome. And I got to that point, but then there was this whole the other, other level. Door. Yeah, I was like, fuck, haven't I done finished the work? Haven't I clocked this part? I just think there keeps being more doors. Oh, shit. Just and keep so going down there. deeper. And it's like Alice in Wonderland kind of fucking style. Well, I look at it as stepping up. Like I look at it as not well, – It's yeah, you could look at it either way, digging deeper and kind of getting to the I just all these core. smaller doors. You know how she keeps going through the doors and they get smaller and smaller. Oh, my God. I just look at it like I've finally got to this amazing view and then it's like, but you have to climb up those steps to get a better mm. one. And that's fine. I even noticed that in my – yeah, in my own life, even with friendships, even with you, even with you, I've even, mm. with you and Ben, I reckon now versus six months ago, like the other night when you said, do you want to stay for dinner? My initial reaction was, nah, nah, it's fine. Oh, ben and I laugh. As soon as you leave, we always laugh at this I dance always, you do. I just, no, but. I said to him, But the you, dance was I, a lot shorter than it would oh, have it been. Was. yeah, you've Two totally months ago, improved. six months ago, 12 months ago, 12 months ago, <laughs> there's no ben, way I would have stayed. Well, I said, did, I said, did you see Chrissy's dance? And he said, yeah. He's like, I bought the salmon because I knew she would do that. So she was fucking eating the salmon. It's expensive. She was like, I made sure that we were getting enough that wasn't going to be a we're freezing this one piece of salmon situation. Yeah, because my initial reaction was, oh, no, that's too much or you're probably sick of me or I'll get out of your hair or you guys probably just want to chill on your own. Like this is the way my brain mm. works. And then it's, it is the exchange thing where often if you're like, do you want lunch? The next day I'm like, oh, fuck, Stace Scott, I better get her lunch. Or, and the most minuscule mm. bullshit, mm. I'm not even talking about this is how um, – what do you call it, how unnoticed it can go, not mm. even as big as a gesture of love as an engagement ring. It can be as stupid as a mate buying you a coffee or going, you know, or I'll buy you a drink or something. And this whole weird thing that you do where you're like, oh, well, now I owe you. And I think to go really deeper below that from the lessons I learned from this particular scenario was that I wasn't giving and receiving with myself, which then – doesn't give me confidence in what I'm able to give and receive other people. So then on the level of that, I will keep particular scorecards to make sure I'm being fair. But actually with some relationships, I don't do that. With There's a few of my friendships where the scorecard's gone mm. and I just trust. I trust because there's a lot of open, unconditional love there. So that trust is there. Before but this point though. With the- Ben, with Ben, it's new. And it's bigger than ever. So it's 
it's been it, it's certainly been harder. No, no other friend has given me an engagement ring, no. so I haven't been tested to that level of a few bunches giving. of flowers, maybe. Yes, which is stunning. <laughs> but hang on, answer this right before we. I know we've got to wrap up, but before this realization, were you because you were talking about giving, um, giving conditionally? Were you giving to Ben on condition? No, no, I just wasn't I just wasn't sure how much I could take first yeah right. rather than having offered first because it means that you are the most vulnerable you can be so the big lesson yeah is the the receiving and how how funny it is that we weren't taught to do that graciously mm, interesting mm. if you like this episode rate it give us a review share it with the bestie like Drop them, you know, slide into their DM on Insta or on Facebook and just be like, bro, check this out. Because receive this. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag receive. Um, Because, yeah, you sharing it around or dropping us a review um, really makes a difference. Yeah, please do. We will be back tomorrow. Michelle Chevalier Hedge is dropping by. Uh, We did a great interview with her. She's a nutritionist and we'll really break down the myths behind what we think is eating healthy. Bye. Bye. time of the week is that is when we get to go live with you our posse and chat about whatever you guys want we absolutely love going live on facebook but you'll only get notified that we're online if you follow us the thinker girls on facebook yeah we get to say hello to you give you guys an update on hashtag our lives and answer the questions that you've been dying to ask us so once a week make sure that you hang in on the thinker girls facebook page to find out when you can find us ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.